So um, this morning, I'm just going to kind of carry on from the theme of what Sean uh, shared last week. Um, so we talked about the baton of discipleship, didn't he? And how we all have... I'm a bit out of breath. <laughs> we all have that responsibility to carry that baton. But today, I'm going to be looking at it from the position of us as the body of Christ. Um, and and we're really, with that specific look on how we should be uni- unified. And... Um, when we look at unity, it's one of those things, I don't know if you've ever been to a place and you think, unity's here, but you can also, when you walk into a place, you know when it's not there. Um, and the dictionary definition says that it's the state of forming a complete and harmonious whole. Now, when we look at this world, especially over the last few years, I don't think harmony is the kind of word that we'd use to describe it, but for us, we're also part of the kingdom of heaven we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we've got that culture that we should be carrying as well and and really at the heart of that culture is unity with God and with each other so we're just going to jump straight in we're going to start by looking at John 17 20 it should come up on the screen and um, I'm going to be reading from the passion translation and it says, and I ask not only for these disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, either as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them, so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love one another, each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. That's a great prayer, isn't it? So just to put that into context, because there's a lot that we can draw from that. Um, this was the day before Jesus was betrayed and arrested. So he's obviously, this is something that he really wanted to impart to his, his disciples. And everything that Jesus said was significant, wasn't it? Whether or not it was a direct conversation, whether it was via parables, or, but also in prayer. Um, he would often go off and, and just spend time in prayer with his father. But at this time, he wanted to bring his disciples together because he wanted them to hear it. Um, and he also wanted future generations of believers to hear it too. So that's... That's you and I. And it's really about imparting that kingdom wisdom. You know, when they, this is before they received the Holy Spirit. So he wanted us t- to hear it and he wanted them to hear it. And he's really just telling us through this about the importance of being unified with God and with each other. And actually, when we look at the, um, the Trinity, we have the perfect example of what a godly unity looks like, don't we? Because we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all very three separate persons, but they're all completely unified as one as well. And then finally, through this, we see that when we're living in godly unity, then actually that will be a witness to the world that Jesus has been sent for us, for our salvation. So, you know, that's <laughs> it's something we need to be taking note of of this. And, I th- and you know, I urge you just to, to read it again because we really need this to be planted in our hearts and it should be shaping how we are living. So let's just look a little bit deeper at what um, godly unity is, but I'm actually going to start with what it isn't. <laughs> um, so kingdom unity is not the same as worldly unity. You know, people often think that just because people are unified, then it must be a positive thing, but actually it can be really negative as well. So we can look back in history and even today and see 
awful atrocities that have been committed by people who were all of the same thought and the same mind. So it doesn't mean just because people are unified in thoughts and behaviours that it's a good thing. And it certainly doesn't mean that it's what is based on any truth or particularly God's truth. So when we look at the Bible, there's a really good example there, isn't there, within the Tower of Babel. You've got a group of people who were working really well together, so well together that they could do anything. They tried to build a tower up to heaven. And so they're blaspheming against God. So he had to confuse them by making them speak in different languages so that they couldn't continue in what they were doing. Now, if that's what a group of people who are ungodly can do, just imagine what can happen amongst a group of people who are completely unified with one another and in Christ. So our foundations on what our unity is based on is really important. Now, the world, we see stuff all the time, particularly with social media, and, you know, there's all... There's so many lies and people saying, this is what he said and this is what she said. And you're like, what do, I, what do you believe? Um, so it's really hard in the natural to distinguish between what is true and what isn't. And, and I've said before, you hear this, I need to speak my truth. You know, what is your truth? It's almost like the word opinion and truth has been muddled up together. Um, just because it's your opinion doesn't mean that it's true. And, and the only thing that is true is God's truth, um, and that's never going to conflict with his word. You know, we've been singing about the Holy Spirit, and I just think, how do people manage life without the Holy Spirit? You know, we need that Holy Spirit discernment, don't we? Um, just to work out, you know, so we're not getting distracted and deceived by everything that's going on around us. We shouldn't be drawn into that kind of thing. We should know the truth because of the Holy Spirit, and that's the, the voice that we should be listening to. So if godly unity can't be separated from the truth, it's our responsibility to make sure that we know what God's truth is and that we're speaking it um, and that we're investing in it. And that's what's guiding us. And like I said earlier, we're not, we're not of this world. We're kingdom citizens, aren't we? And it says that we've been made pure and set apart and that God's called us to be his devoted and holy people. That's, that's exciting, isn't it? Are we all excited about that? Devoted and holy people. So we should be responding differently to situations than the world does. You know, when the world's saying there's no peace, hope and joy, we should be walking in like, peace, hope and joy, it's arrived, it's with me. Um, so, you know, we, we really need to be those people that are carrying that kingdom culture. And again, like I said, unity with God and with one another is really core to that kingdom culture. Kingdom unity doesn't mean uniformity, which basically means we're not all having to be exactly the same, otherwise we'll just be a bunch of clones. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there who do look like clones nowadays, but that's, that's not what we need to look like. You know, God absolutely loves diversity within, within his church, um, and God, he made us all that way, didn't he? He made us all different, he made us unique, but it's important that we realise that in our differences, we're all equally valued and important. And when we look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 17, it says, just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one spirit we were all we were immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same Holy Spirit. In fact, the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. So if the foot were to say, since I'm not hand, I'm not part of the body, it's forgetting that it's still a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, 
I'm not really part of a body, it's forgetting that it's an, still an important part of the body. Think of it this way, if the whole body were just an eyeball, how could it hear sounds? And if the whole body were just an ear, how could it smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. A diversity is required for if the body consisted of one single part, there wouldn't be a body at all. So now we see that there are many different parts and functions, but one body. So it says that we need diversity, because if we were all the same body, if we were just a load of eyeballs, we, won't, we wouldn't really uh, achieve very much. There wouldn't be a body at all. It would just be a, probably a bowl full of eyes. Um, and, you know, God, God wants to work with all the body parts, and that's what we represent. So another important part in that is realising that everyone's got their, their role, their function that God's assigned to them. And there shouldn't be any competition within that, should there? You know, when everybody knows that they are valued and that everybody else is valued, there shouldn't be competition within the body. And I just love that um, when we see in Acts about the Apostle Stephen, where it, it, he, he basically was amongst seven that were assigned to, to serve on tables, which wasn't necessarily bringing people their starters and main courses. It was about distributing what was coming in to the house to help the needy. So in a lot of ways, it was an administration role. But it says that he was a man full of the Holy Spirit, faith and wisdom. But he was faithful to his role in, the king, in kingdom building. Um, he didn't consider it beneath him in any way um, because he could see the bigger picture. He knew that his role was important with what, within what the church, the early church was doing. And what he did actually was share the gospel through his role. Um, and we see that actually he was the first um, apostle who was martyred because of his faith. So um, it's, it's a very true statement that the way that kingdom culture operates is very different to the world because value isn't based on visibility in any way. Um, God uses people behind the scenes all of the time. Um, for example, you might know some of the ne great names associated with revivals, but what, you, what are the lesser known is that they're to the catalyst for that was generally a lot of older ladies that would get together maybe in their knitting clubs and but it was a powerful time where they were just you know just declaring God's word God's will and they were praying for revival in the nation so they were the catalyst to that now they may not be all known necessarily by by name in the same way that the heads of the revival the leaders of the revival were but they're very much well known um, within heaven and, and heaven celebrates them for that um, I listen to a lot of prayer storm, particularly uh, with James Ladron, and I love a quote that he says is that I don't want to be famous on earth, I want to be famous in heaven. And I think that's a really healthy perspective. It kind of takes all of that nonsense out of it, doesn't it, when we're focused on, on, on glorifying God. Um, because the desire, of, and pray, the desire to have the praise of man always leads to pride, and pride leads to a fall, as we know. And um, Really, when we're, we're focused on glorifying God, then there's no place for praise of man um, or pride. Um, so we need to be really just focusing on wanting to get the, have God's praise, that God's delighting in us, that he's happy with what we're doing. So it says in verse 18 that God has designed you and placed you here and you perfectly complement the body when you function as your part. Um, you know, again... There's no desire to compete when we know what our identity in Christ is and then when we're obedient to that calling that he's placed on our lives. And it's a bit like in a football team. I know all the, the, the little kids, I'm not going to say boys because my daughter plays football as well, but um, 
they, they always want, oh, I want to be the striker, I want to be the striker, but it, the striker's no good on his own um, when he's against another team. So everybody's role, each position is really important and each member of that team has the same objective, don't they? They want to see goals for their team scored and they want to stop the goals of the other team. And it's the same for us. We want to see our goals are souls one for Christ and we want to see the schemes of the enemy being torn down. We don't want to see him win anyone. And when we see that, 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 that word commission, the great commission, that is about seeing those souls being one for Christ. And that word commission in, in the original text is actually translated as command. Um, and a commission is given to someone who's entrusted. You don't just give a commission to anybody. You're entrusting them to do it. And God's trusting us with this mission of the Great Commission. And, and that's something that all of us together should be taking really seriously because he's trusting us with it. Okay, so kingdom unity is perfect harmony. Um, obviously with the worship team, it makes me think of harmonies and the fact that um, if we all started singing completely different songs, you probably would just all be staring at us and thinking what on earth is going on up there. Um, but no, we, we know we're all singing singing off the same hymn sheet, basically, um, is what we're doing. But everyone's playing their individual part, aren't they, within that, to, to have that unity of sound. And it's a bit like with the um, with a big orchestra, you know, at the beginning when they do their kind of like warm-up sound and it's all the clashing of all, all the different sounds and you just think, oh, I hope the whole thing doesn't sound like that. But then when the conductor raises his arms or his batons, they all just start focusing on him and he leads them through that p that piece of music and it sounds beautiful and it's all in pace with one another and it, it's got the perfect harmonies there um, and so they're trusting him to do that and um, they they don't look at each other they're looking at him and trusting him um, to lead them through that music and, and and in the same way for us as the body of Christ it's like we are the musicians and and, and God is the conductor we're looking to Jesus to lead us through by his Holy Spirit to lead us through this life but that means that we need to be submitting to his leadership and we need to be listening to his voice to see where he's leading us um, to make sure that we're all in harmony with him and one another. Kingdom unity is about relationship. Now, every relationship can take some effort. I'm not going to look at Graham because he'll be like, yeah, it definitely takes a lot of effort. Um, with Ellie, it takes commitment. It takes patience, sometimes a lot of patience. Um, but like Paul says in Ephesians 4, make every effort to keep unity in the bond of peace and that means that the fruit of the spirit should be in operation in how we not just operate with other people but how we operate with one another um, it, he says that we should be humble gentle patient and bearing with one another in love and like it says in Romans 12 4 5 in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others so we belong to one another it makes me think, of, is it the Prudential advert where it says, we want to be together? Well, that's, that's how we should want to be. You know, it's not a casual acquaintance thing. It's, it, it's a much deeper than the surface level. It's not just a hi or a nod, you know, how are you kind of thing. It's really investing in that relationship because we belong together. We belong to one another. So I'm just going to um, read from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 21 to 26. It says, it would be wrong for the eye to say to the hand, I don't need you. And equally wrong if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. In fact, the weaker our parts, the more vital and essential they are. The body parts we think are less honourable, we treat with greater respect. 
and the body parts that need to be covered in public, we treat with propriety and clothe them. But some of our body parts don't require as much attention. Instead, God has mingled the body parts together, giving greater honour to the lesser members who lacked it. He has done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern and so that there would be no division in the body. In that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honoured, everyone rejoices. So we need one another, don't we? And we should be having that genuine care for one another because what happens to one happens to all of us. And that's how a real family would operate, isn't it? You know, as we walk through the doors, it says that we're family. We're family. This is what it should look like for us. What happens to one happens to all. And, you know, God never intended us to do kingdom life in, in isolation. That's not how he, he designed it. He's asking us to be interdependent with him and with each other. And we're God's plan. We're the church as well. You know, we have to be. We have to be operating in that way. It says in Peter 2.5 that we're living stones built into a spiritual house. And each one of those spiritual stones has a shared purpose and goal. And the Holy Spirit's like the cement that keeps us together. You know, one stone can be easily pushed around or kicked around, but a whole wall can't. In fact, it will hurt hurt the person that tries to kick a wall. Um, don't try it. Uh, even by accident hitting on the door frame, it really hurts. But, you know, it's, we need the house. You need the house and the house needs you. That's how we need to look at it. And when that house is healthy, when it's completely unified, it's a place where joy is really evident. And that's something we're praying about this morning. We want to see we want to see an outbreak of joy. There should be an outbreak of joy. And, and, and that brings glory to God as well. Now, there's always going to be someone that hates seeing unity. And obviously, the enemy hates seeing particularly unity within the body of Christ. He loves it if there's any division or disunity, because that means we're all running off, getting distracted, trying to sort out something, rather than running the race that God's called us to. Um, and fulfilling that purpose that he's put on all of us individually, but also together. That's his plan, isn't it? To steal, kill, and destroy. But when we submit ourselves to God's leadership, we can resist the enemy, can't we? And it says that he will flee. So we resist and he flees. We don't have to fight him. We just have to resist him. Um, It says that we've been given every tool that we need to be effective and grow in our walk with God. But we also have a responsibility to use these tools to make sure that we're protecting and promoting unity within the body. And part of this, quite a key part, which um, Sean started sharing last week, was about encouraging the race of others. And that kingdom unity encourages the race of others. Um, You know, we're running this race and it's not just about the fact that we're the ones who are running it and I'm going to get over the line. You care about how other people are running and whether or not they're getting over the line as well. Um, I'd never seen that video before of the the Brownies brothers. I mean, I started crying. I was a bit of a snotty mess down the front. (laughs) Um, I'd never seen it before, but it it really affected me because I was thinking, lots of different things go through my mind when I watch stuff. It'd be like, loads of people are watching. There's people standing there. No one's helping him. You know, um, this must be really embarrassing. He's in a lot of pain. But then you see as his brother comes along and he he kind of lifts him under his arm. And I'll probably get emotional now. (laughs) And he he lifts him up and he runs him across that line. He doesn't just just run him to the line. He literally pushes him, pushes him over the line. I thought, that's amazing. And I love the fact, I, I imagine if it was me and John doing that. And to be honest, in a serious situation... 
I think we were, if it was a serious thing, I think we would genuinely look out for each other. If it was a, a, a funny thing, then, then maybe not. We'd probably enjoy it. <laughs> but um, it's the fact that he doesn't shake his brother off and tell him to leave him be. And I think, you know, what, you know, they run together, which is lovely that they have this relationship where they've got this common thing that they do together. But also you just think, I bet there's been loads of times when he's had to be that strength for him. And you're just thinking this is the foundation of their relationship. You know, when, when I'm weak, he's strong and vice versa. And you think, you know, that's what Christ is for us. But he wants us to be that for each other as well. And I, I, I just love that. And I, it just made me think, I want to be a sister, but I want to be a kind of brother like that. And I know that I need that kind of brother and sister as well. So if we see that there's people struggling, let's not just walk on by and just think, oh, you know, I'm running a great race, Rachel, you don't look like you're doing too well. Let's actually do something about it. You know, sometimes we need to, when God puts someone on our heart, we need to pray for wisdom of how to approach the subject. But let's not just forget about it or think, oh, someone else will pick it up, because they may not. You know, you might be the only person that's praying for somebody in their situation. So... You know, if you don't feel that you're the one to say it, then speak to someone in leadership. We don't want to see anybody struggling or or left behind or feeling they need to just dip out of the race. It doesn't ever need to be that way. You know, that's why we need genuine fellowship. We need real relationships, not surface-level relationships. Um, And we need to be encouraging people the way that Christ encourages. And that isn't pointing out weaknesses in people, because that's really easy to do, isn't it? It's just pointing out to someone, that's where your strength is. That's what we need to do, point, th- point them towards Christ because that's where their strength is. You know, we saw with Moses, didn't we, in the battle that when his arms got weak, he needed Aaron and her to lift his arms up. So if he needs it, we definitely all need it. Um, you know, we needed to draw on the strength of others and there was no shame in that. And actually encouragement, the definition is persuading someone to do or continue doing something. And for us, that's just agreeing that we're all going to support each other and just keep running this race together. Just like the Brownlee brothers will step in and make sure that that person doesn't get to the point of stumbling and falling. We want to be like the Brownlee brother and we want to be the one who helps carry them to that line. Now, a a real way that the enemy tries to keep God's children in, in bondage is by making them think that they should be ashamed of having a struggle. Um, I mean, I've been there, and it's not fun, and it's it's a lie. It's, it's the truth of it. It's, it is a lie. Um, you know, we can go around pretending that everything's okay and saying and doing all the right things, but when you're hiding that, it's just compounding the problem. We need to be able to share with others so they can come alongside us, don't we? Because when we don't, we're really vulnerable to attack. I mean, I can remember there's times I felt like I'd been hit by one thing, and then I got hit by another, and just thinking, what on earth is going on? And you don't, you shouldn't be doing that in isolation, but I'm not saying you have to broadcast everything to everybody. Just get alongside somebody who's really strong in that area or a group of people that you trust that you can just be praying with you and standing with you um, in that situation. Now, for, m- for me, and, and it's something I'm really, really excited about, is about what God's doing um, with the ladies around prayer, you know, the prayer culture. Um, it's not an excu- exclusive group thing by any means, apart from it has to be ladies. <laughs> Guys need to set up something else <laughs> for themselves. <laughs> but it's um, but it's really great to see how how when we just started it really that I knew that the God was telling me that when we get together we're going to be disarming 
we're going to be disarming the enemy. And that's what we've been called today. We're disarming the enemy. And actually, you know, we're getting together on Wednesday mornings. We get together for prayer at late night. And, you know, it's not just about us and what the little the things that are going in our lives, sometimes big, sometimes small. We're in here, sometimes walking around. We've been on Portsdown Hill. We've been in different places. And we're praying, we're praying for all of you. We're praying for your kids. We're praying for your families. We're praying for addictions to be broken. We're praying for, praying for you know, everything, what God, the Holy Spirit puts on our heart. That's what, what we're contending for. We're, we're declaring what God's will is, and we want to see um, breakthroughs, and we want to see revival, and that's what we're praying for. But it's, we weren't like this really um, close group of friends that just start off, oh, let's start praying together. It was, the foundation of it was prayer. But and the amazing thing is, is the, that the relationship's been born out of that. So from a spiritual relationship, we've got a relation relationship as well. We've got, we are sisters um, you know, I've never had sisters before, and it's only now that I've got them that I realise that it's great to have a sister. <laughs> it's great to have a sister, and, and we need brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, yeah, and, and we've actually seen, actually, some really incredible answers to prayer. You know, there's been some times we got together and like, well, it's just praying about that, and look, that person's got a text, or... We didn't think we'd see them. Oh, they've come to church. It's amazing, but we're getting together. There's a strength there, and it's beautiful, and I just want to really encourage um, all the other ladies, just get involved. We want you all to be part of this. You know, it's, it's, it's an exciting thing to be part of. God is really moving in prayer, um, and prayer is a real essential part of what unity is. It says that the early disciples prayed about everything, um, and so did Jesus. So we should be prioritizing prayer, both personally um, and corporately, um, and you know we're called a house of prayer. That's we are called a house of prayer, and it says that we should be inquiring in His temple, as we dwell in the house of the Lord. And dwelling isn't something you vis- visit occasionally; it, it's somewhere where you're situated. It's a state of living. So we need to be proactive in in those times of where we can come together and be excited about it. Corporate prayer, corporate worship, not just on a Sunday morning, but for the other times that we can as well. Because when there's that atmosphere, the Holy Spirit can move really powerfully. And it says at Pentecost, doesn't it, that when they were in in one mind and accord, that the Holy Spirit came down. And and like I said at the beginning, come along to the worship and, and the prayer times because God is moving He's moving in those times. We've seen breakthrough recently that was exciting. We were seeing people saying, you know, I had this, so I was carrying. Now, and now it's, it's lifted. I've never known what it felt like to not have to carry that burden. Come along to those times. You know, it's not about that we want to have loads of numbers. It's never been about numbers. Um, it's not wanting to see anyone miss out on what God is doing. Um, so we've been talking about running races, and I'm smiling because I know this is going to be embarrassing. I'm not going to run, don't worry. It's not that embarrassing. But it made me think about my own running experiences because I did used to run, actually, surprisingly, for some. Um, but there's three different particular ones that come to mind, and they are all embarrassing. The first one, I was so focused on a conversation that I ran into a lamppost and knocked myself out. Um, so that was pretty bad. Um, the second one was a very early, I think it was called Race for Life, but it hadn't. It, it was the very early days of doing it. It was sponsored by the company I worked for. And I thought, oh, I can run this. I'm not going to bother doing any training. And I started running, and then it got really windy along the seafront, and I thought, nah, I'm not doing this. But then I couldn't get out of the barriers because my legs were too short to climb over. 
And so I started running back the other way because I thought, I don't know how to get back to the start place because I had to work in, in the hospitality tent afterwards. And um, so I ended up going over back over the line and everyone was looking thinking, Paula Radcliffe was running in this race and then I'm the one who kind of, you know, trundles over and they just all looked at me like, great, we have to discount that time. So that was quite embarrassing. But the one that was most significant for me, and it is... It's not quite as, a, a, as glamorous as the Brownlee Brothers race, but it was that I was identified into a fun run. Um, I'd been doing training every week with Dad. I mean, I think it was only two and a half miles, I say training, but that was training for me. And um, I'd got my pace. So I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew I could run it, so it wasn't a problem with knowing that I could run that dis distance. But when I got there, I saw a load of people that I knew, and I thought, oh, I'll just run with them. And they set off, and I was like, oh, dear, this is not the pace that I can run <laughs> two and a half miles and I started getting a bit flustered because I obviously didn't want them to think well, what's she doing well this is the pace everybody runs and so I, I then started lagging behind I lost my number and I thought that meant I couldn't get a medal so I went to look for my medal and then I started crying um, and then I started feeling like I was getting an asthma attack and so I was taking my inhaler and I think I must have overdosed because I got to near the end and I literally was just like staggering with um, double vision and I could see the line just thinking, oh, I just wish I could just dive under someone's feet somewhere so they no one has to record this. Um, this Because you, you know your numbers, your name and your number's going to come in the, in the paper afterwards. I'm like, oh, great. There was loads of boys at school that I'd been saying that I was going to beat them and that clearly wasn't going to happen now. But, um, but it got to the point, I think I've... I was very, very close to collapsing, is the truth. And then someone that I knew, he cl I think he'd already run the race himself, he'd already finished and was watching everybody else. But he climbed over the barrier and he ran me over. Um, and I, I must have been about 11 or 12 at the time, but I've never forgotten the fact that, that he did that for me. That even though he could have thought, oh, well, I've already done this, or I don't know her that well, I'm not going to do it. And that's the thing, he didn't really know me that well. Um, but he still thought, I'm going to make sure that she gets gets over the line um, and then obviously the continuation of drama where I had to be taken to a um, St John's ambulance <coughs> and they didn't have um, they didn't have any cooling packs they probably used them up on other people so I think coke or someone was a sponsor and I had all these cans <laughs> like pulled up around my body to try and get my my body temperature down so yeah as I say s slightly embarrassing but also I love these kind of stories because it always my god uses stories doesn't he to kind of make his point. And, and actually, when I look at my life at times, I can see elements of these races um, at different points. You know, I've been distracted at times and different circumstances or relationships have been put there by the enemy to try and take me out. Um, and I've got hurt. Um, you know, I've wanted to give up at times because I thought, oh, this is just too exhausting. Um, I'm, tr I'm trying to do everything in my own strength. But obviously, I needed to just hand it over to God to to fix the problem really <laughs> a lot of time we can do that can't we spend so much time um trying to fix things in our own strengths when actually he was there all the time saying just give it to me I want to help you um and I've also exhausted myself trying to compare myself to others of what I think their race looks like we never know what's going on really um inside someone's life we only look at what what they project don't we and I should have just been more focused on enjoying the race that had been set before me. So I don't know, for you, there might be one of these kind of scenarios we think that's, that's where I'm at the moment. But I, what I want to do is I'm just going to 
come to, into a finish now. I just want to finish with this um, encouragement, and it's keep running the course. You know, don't get distracted or dismayed. And actually, if you have gone off course, don't let the lie of shame stop you from getting back on track or for asking somebody, if they've not noticed, to say, I'm really struggling, I need you. I need you to get alongside me. No, God doesn't ever give up on any of us. He really doesn't. You know, it's, it's not one of those where you had your chance and you messed it up. Just go and hide somewhere because this is, you're, you're an embarrassment. He doesn't do that. He rewrites stories all the time. And I loved when Sean, I mean, Sean got emotional about because he knew. He knew what his, his life was before and God rewrote his story. Um, you know, and you're just thinking it's real. This is real for people. He really does do that. And finally, I just want to encourage all of us to really invest in this. We should be investing in, in the unity that we want to see, not just for ourselves, but for each other. We should be people who promote and protect it. That's what we should be, like a family. We promote. If someone started talking about your family name, you'd be like, whoa, hang on a minute. No, you don't talk about my brother like that way. I can say stuff, but <laughs> I'm digging. No, in all seriousness, we need to be people who are protecting that unity um, because we should have that genuine love for each other. We should care what happens to one happens to all, and we're all in this together. It should be more like a... I was, it can't be a three-legged race because there's too many of us, but wouldn't it be great if it was like that, that we were all that connected and, and joined together, that when we ran, we were enjoying it, and we'd know instantly, oh, hang on a minute, that person's getting a bit behind. Let's, let's support them. Let's, let's run this race together. And it says in Psalm... 133, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. You know, it is pleasant, it's, it's good, but actually it's powerful as well. Um, and like I said at the beginning, just imagine what God can do in a body of people who are just completely unashamed, completely undistracted, just focused on following Jesus and, and living, for, living for his kingdom here now, because it says the kingdom is here. It's here and, and it's coming. But we want to be these people like when he arrives, like we've been running for you, Jesus. We've been running. We're doing this kingdom life for you. And we're all of us in it together. So I'm just going to, um, I hope that message encouraged you. You know, it does. You know, I think it's important. It's one of those things where it's really, it's obvious what we should be doing. But a lot of the time we can be so, it, it's not just having the head knowledge. It's the heart knowledge to put into action, isn't it? So let's really invest in this. And, and I want to encourage you at the end, go and speak to someone that you've not spoken to before. We, we stick around for a coffee. Let's just let's do that. Let's really start getting to know somebody um, more than we knew them before and, and make that effort to build the relationships that we know that we need and that others need too. So let's just um, close our eyes. I'm going to pray, pray for us all. And, and then I'll just give an opportunity um, for response afterwards. Yeah, Father God, we just, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come together in freedom, Lord God. That there's nobody stopping us from being able to come together in worship, to know your word, Lord God. To build the relationships that we know that we need to be in strength with you and with each other, Lord God. And I just pray that you bless every single person sitting here today, Lord God. If there's anyone who's felt that they didn't quite fit in. I just say that you are significant. God says that you're significant. Know your identity in Christ. 
you're right where you're supposed to be for a time such as this. Yeah, Lord God, just help us by your Holy Spirit to just see beyond our own race and just have that desire to have the relationships built up because we all have something to offer. You've made us all unique with specific gifts and we just want to bless you with those and we just know just like that it says that we are many stones together built into the walls of a spiritual house Lord God we want to be that we want to be that strong like that strong tower we want this to be a place where people can run to it and know that that there will be help there but we know there needs to be strength in the house Lord God so I just pray unity Lord God I pray against any schemes of the enemy to disunify us or to disillusion us. I just pray strength in the body. I just pray perfect peace, an outbreak of joy. Lord God, we just want to glorify you. We want to glorify you, God. We want to bless you. When we stand before you, we want the account of our life to be that we ran well, but that we also brought others with us. So just strengthen us, Lord God. Strengthen us so that we can be the best that we can be to glorify you. And this is the first time that that you've come um, along to church. You've never heard this kind of message before. And you're just thinking, do you know what? Actually, that's something that I've been lacking. And I know I need this. I know I need to be part of this. I want to have what they're speaking about. Well, the reason why we've got this opportunities because of Jesus and so I'm just gonna um, pray a prayer a salvation prayer where there's the opportunity for you to to respond to that if you just want to um, lift your hand up but also at the end we say every time if you want to come down to the front for prayer there's people who will be here who want to pray it's not an inconvenience we love praying and we want to pray for you so please do do that um, if, if you want to so if you just want to repeat after me Father God I love you and I believe in you I know that I have sinned Jesus I receive you and I trust you as my Lord and personal saviour I believe that you went to the cross and that you went there for me in all my sin and shame I believe that you died for me rose from the grave and conquered death and I believe that you are alive today I give you my life Jesus and I know in my heart that I am saved and that you forgive me in the mighty name of Jesus